say. Can you, can you verify this for me? I mean, some people here don't understand. I mean, what is soul? Allora, adesso te lo dico io. Cos'è soul? Non importa come lo fai. Più alto possibile, meglio è. Pensavi di saperlo tutto. Nel suono giù nell'Atlantico. Col miglior ritmo su questo pianeta. Canta se vuoi, non ti sbaglierai. Accendi questa bomba. Welcome to Plague Tapes 116 in the eternal cycle of It Just Keeps Going On. And you think, oh, it couldn't get much worse, could it? Or surely there's some sort of turning around the corner and then you hear about a variant. So, yeah, it's hard to know, really. Um, I kept myself or have cheered myself up by looking at actually uh, a band documentary about the Velvet Underground. I know that people are getting excited about um, other things. What are they called? The Beatles, isn't it? Yeah. People are getting excited about the Beatles thing that Peter Jackson's working on. Well, Todd Haynes has done a documentary on the Velvet Underground and you just kind of go, wow. Like, their, their music didn't just spawn one type of rock and roll it spawned like about four very varieties variations and when I'm back in the days when I was 16 I was listening to things like this so let's take an hour to just enjoy music and then we'll get back to at the end of this we'll get back to the news about the unfolding uh, always surprising uh world of covid 19 this is uh dr groove this is plague tapes 116 and this is the mighty fervent underground Never know 
you're gonna find there you gotta run, 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 take a jacket too. Run, 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 gypsy death for you. Hey, what you do? Margarita Passion, they had to get her fixed. She wasn't well, she was getting sick. Went to sell her soul, she wasn't high. Didn't know, think she could buy it. She would run, 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 take a jacket too. Run, 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 gypsy death in you. Tell you what to do.
Yeah, so that was our little Velvet Underground tribute. It started off with the Velvet Underground. It ended with the Velvet Underground with What Goes On. And it had Moon Joe in the middle with Jukebox Baby, a cover version of Suicide Song, Frankelstaff and Ricardo Villalobos with Dexter, Nose Etching, Nose, Nose, Jai thing with particles aligned, triple burner. I think there's only one P in triple, isn't there? Maybe there's two. <laughs> looks wrong. No, it looks right. Triple burner with wall socket protector. They're kind of the, the acoustic fast guitars. And then we had, um, I think maybe banjos as well. And then we had the Velvet Underground with what goes on. So uh, that was how my Sunday morning Saturday night, Sunday morning was uh, watching the Velvet Underground and it brought me right back to 16 when I was totally plugged into that music. It's kind of appropriate. We're on Plague Tapes 116 and we're going to change things around a bit now. This is, there is um, a really great book called The Leopard um, and you probably heard about it. It's uh, known as a classic and in it there is a specific quote which lots of people always quote which is the idea that in order for things to stay the same things have to change um, and I think there's there's a lot of uh, meaning and truth in that statement and this is reflected in the next track that I'm going to play which is uh, The New Birth and their track is called Ain't No Ain't no change, and it's 1973. So, uh, yeah, we can come back and we can all do a little bit of a deconstruction and analysis on that uh, at the end of the next set. So let's make sure that this plays properly. Here we go. Yeah, we're away. Ain't no change. Talking about the cost of living. 
people talking about it ain't enough giving people talking about the lack of love people talking about the man above ain't gonna change in this world again
Yeah, indeed. That is Howlin' Wolf. The unmistakable sounds of Howlin' Wolf, as chosen by a compilation, I think, put together by Captain Beefheart. But who knows, because Beefheart was really reluctant to cooperate with anybody in terms of record labels and stuff like that. A natural outsider, uh, outlaw. So, um, yeah, that was that's pretty much the show, I think. Yeah, we've got one more tune to go. This was uh, Plague Tapes 116. Do the usual things. I hope you've enjoyed the music. It was like it's been taking a bit of a pattern, pattern to two different sets. So we had the kind of sandwich Velvet Underground set in the middle or the start, um, and then we had uh, a bit of funk. Then we had Kamazi Washington. We went into jazz, and then we had a bit of drum and bass, Jazz Master. Alex Reese was the track after Kamazi Washington Truth. And finally, uh, Howlin' Wolf with Somebody in My Home. Uh, yeah, so be be good to each other. Look after each other because you're going to have to look after yourselves first. And then you have to... Self-care is, is the order of the day. And then you have to look after everybody else because the plague continues. That's why we're at 116. Andrew will follow shortly with the news and this is one of the reasons why I like doing a show because you can go straight from the blues from 1940, 50, I'm not sure, 50s, I think it was 50s, early 60s when Helen Wolf was recording that and you can go straight to uh, something like this. So that's the plan anyway. Let's see if it actually comes through. It should be. Yeah, let's start with Bare Bones. Oh yeah. Stay tuned for the news. Thank you. 
and welcome to Plague Tapes, the news section of Plague Tapes 116 and it's been recorded on the last day of November in the great and glorious year 2021, which feels like 2020 as well. I don't think many people are going to be calling it great and glorious to be honest. Great and glorious, the plague continues. Now we have a variant which is great fun altogether. The um, the what's the the super villain name that it has? Omicron. 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 I haven't worked out how to pronounce it for yet, <coughs> or spell it. I have to keep going back and rechecking it. Omicron. Okay, because Omicron. it now feels like we were talking about the dystopian science fiction world we're living in, and certainly variants called Omicron don't really help yeah, yeah. with the whole multiverse. Um and. Are we aware that it's already managed to make its way to Ireland? We've got cases here, have we? Um, we so, have variant dropout. So, yes. Yeah, so, like Alpha, if people remember that from this time, well, a bit later than this time last year, um, when, when you PCR tested for Alpha, some types of PCR machine, because what, what they do is they, they actually, they're kind of running three different tests, so they're getting th- three, they're checking for three different bits of code, basically. Uh, uh, you know, so it's kind of such checking against itself, uh, and some of them would only pick up two of the three, right? So that, that was S gene dropout, it was called, because one of the genes was being missed. Uh, so it's the same uh, with Omicron. Um, I don't think it's the same thing that's been missed, so I think they can tell that that if from Alpha, uh, and so they have found. I think it is eleven uh, previously existing recent tests test results. I think they're going back to all the way to the start of November um, and looking for any that have this dropout. So they found 11 that do uh, so they will presumably be sequencing those uh, to see if they are indeed Omicron and they will probably know that in a couple of days time. Take, take, that takes a little bit longer. But we have suspicions about 11 I think least. that would be strong suspicions, yeah. I, I don't know if it's possible for that to happen simply as an error in the process uh, because after all the that time period you're talking about they did from the start of November yes there was 100,000 there'll be 120,000 positive test results from the start of November tonight so there must have been at least six to 700,000 tests run so you know so 11 out of that would be like uh, yeah 0.02% yeah, because if it's like positive tests, that's like and the positivity was around what fourteen percent. So yeah, it's it's been fourteen, fifteen, that sort of percent. Wow. So yeah, so you never know. So yeah, so I, I mean, you can see where they want to sequence them uh, in case it turns out that that's something else going on. But they, the it likely, I mean, they we've confirmed cases in Scotland. Uh, yeah, there was nine cases yeah. yesterday morning in Scotland. So yeah, uh, if it's reached as far as there already. The Netherlands have been going back testing samples and they have found a case as early as November 23rd, which is in fact a day before the South Africans uh, announced that they'd found a new variant. Um, and was that the Dutch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's one, yeah. I think today a case turned up in Ascension Island. Now that is related to somebody who's travelled recently from Africa, but that gives you an idea of it's going up. And actually, also the Munster rugby team have just now announced that they've—I think it's ten additional cases in their squad, which is in South Africa. So they had one case, and now it's ten. Um, and is that the new variant? Are they sure? They, they don't know yet. They, they don't just know. know. So, right. uh, so I—I I think there's, a, there's cases a, in a squad. Like that's 
that's a quarter of the squad. I'd say there's about forty players over. Yeah, there. I think it's about it's something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I should imagine a rugby okay. tour though is a rather high risk event in terms of opportunities for viruses yeah. uh, to spread. I can't see them being all that sensible. Well, you know, the scrum and all well, that. Well, yeah, yeah. Even, very close, even, very close yeah, contact. Even, even the on-field yeah. stuff. And then uh, another bit of data we have is that uh, 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 one Israeli doctor who had received both the f- being fully vaccinated and boosted has managed to infect another Israeli doctor who was fully vaccinated and boosted. Um so that kind of points to what is the general thinking that probably the reason Omicron has been able to take off in South Africa relative to the other ones, because South Africa had a huge wave of Delta, basically, um, yeah. very high population levels. Uh, so it's probably because it's able to bypass immunity uh, and infect people. Um, and the big question now will be how severe will those infections be? There's some kind of early wishful thinking around that in terms of you know people seizing on particular statements from you know uh, saying that so far people haven't been that sick with it but most of the spread in South Africa that's been reported so far is among young people so you wouldn't expect that many to be that sick particularly if they were vaccinated so I think it's going to be a while before we get a real picture of um, okay so going back to South Africa like. though, what was it like in terms of vaccination rates because there's this uh, they have a relatively low vaccination rate but they have a massive pro-infection rate right. um, so oh, so people were getting the immunity through infection that's basically what yeah yeah you'd have a lot of what I call survival immunity uh, right. you know possibly 60-70% of the population and then I think about 20% vaccination 22% vaccination uh, so you, you could well have had a population where 90% of people had some level of immunity. Okay. Um, and uh, that is... Okay, so then the, this other thing about the variant that I don't understand, which is this idea that it was in somebody and it was continuously... Oh, yeah, so that's a theory so that... What's, the, what's that theory? theory that it did in immunocompromised patients. Now, it's kind of interesting that... It, We've seen a couple of variants coming out of from South Africa because South Africa got very hard hit by HIV. Yes. And not much was done about it for quite a while. And I did see somebody say this could be a long term consequence in a certain sense of the way the HIV crisis was semi ignored in Southern Africa long after uh, it had been not dealt with, it's still around in the West, but you know. No, but there's huge advancements in terms. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, and and so that it, it one possibility for the idea of this being a virus in an immunocompromised person it could be HIV related, or it could be something else. They don't really know. Okay. But that that's basically because of the amount of mutations, you know, my thirty they're talking about, in it, and the fact that it seems to have come from nowhere. There is another possibility though, which is also likely which is that what happens is it was in some area where there was very little surveillance, right? Yeah. So you can imagine some part of South, Southern Africa, maybe some part of Malawi or, or, or somewhere like Botswana. that, um, where yeah. there wasn't much surveillance. People yeah. have been getting uh, what became this variant over a period of, of, you know, since 2020, basically, because it would go back to then. Um, and then there was some sort of effect where that then got out into a wider South African population, migrant workers, who knows what exactly. But uh, 
so that that's so basically it was possible. in this area it was infecting everybody yeah. else but it that never broke out of that area yeah you can imagine like say a later period yeah an, of time. Is, an isolated rural area maybe where there's not that much movement in and out of but right. but importantly that there's very little surveillance nobody is doing genetic sequencing there right so probably not south africa itself because that that they've got quite a lot of sequencing but one of the other southern african parts right uh, and and then you know like migrant work has been one likely explanation for why it might come out it might have come out okay but it, doesn't this all like feel like we kind of said it was eminently predictable like when we continue to just pour out vaccinations and vaccination programs for the northern european context or the northern hemisphere we said like you need to really there's there's aid workers there's mm. frontline workers that aren't vaccinated in the global south and we just continue to go ignore that ignore that and now we're at the stage where it's going to this is is this not like a pattern that's just going to continue to happen yeah i mean th there's an argument that delta came from india for instance yeah. like so that's well it was detected in india again there's, well, there's kind of yeah it, it, but it's, i mean it's it's where significant yeah numbers of the population get infected yeah. where there's no real vaccination program well no india, india does i mean india is one of the world's biggest manufacturers of vaccine uh, yeah in fact so they're, they're a little bit different but ignoring that for a moment just to go back yeah the, the, there is a a an issue that what you don't want is to have lots of virus circulation in a, in, in a population that is partially immune right uh, and partially immune could be a single dose vaccine or it could be having survived infection right because both of those do give you protection against disease and some some protection immune. against infection yeah. but it's not huge so what will happen in that population is the virus will get lots of opportunities to test itself you know to test the new mutation effectively against uh, people that have got some level of immunity but it, and it won't it mostly will still manage to infect them so that that's kind of the theory behind that idea that yeah heavily vaccinating one half the world and not vaccinating the other half at all is creating conditions for you know uh, 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 viruses to test that and it was one of the criticisms of the way um, Britain did its vaccination program with leaving a large gap between first and second doses was that also therefore gave more opportunity for uh, variants to rise now to be honest I think it's also the case that once we started to get to much more transmissible uh, very versions and once we understood that actually uh, protection against infection was going to uh, wane or contract which i think is is a term some immune immunologists prefer to use okay, because well, by the way yeah it's, we it's, know where the, it's going, your immune yeah. system it's needs to off. contract it's off. that yeah. because it always is pumping out loads of antibodies all the time well then th 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 those sort of tests would become inevitable and um I was, uh, like, as soon as I heard about this, I was reminded of a show I'd listened to this week in virology, uh, which I went back and re-listened to from, it's in August, uh, and it's it's basically where people were doing a gain of function experiment, uh, and were, um, uh, you had successfully created a pseudovirus that I think had 27 uh, mutations on it that helped evade immunity, you know? And uh, they'd say, they they oh, they said in the show that kind of people doing that the hosting was saying oh well at least this wasn't particularly fierce or anything they were saying yeah but this is this is like uh, this is the watchmaker making something you know nature is much more capable so 
the fact that we've seen this probably means it will happen. So I think <laughs> I kind of like heard that at the time and went, okay, I'm just going to ignore that for a while. But it's definitely been in the back of my mind that so so, many, so they kind this. of basically played around with a game theory did or whatever yeah. and came up with 27. But we have now got something with 30 mutations. With 30, yeah, yeah. And yeah. does that 30 mutations mean that it's had that time to to develop in each time like it develops one mutation that doesn't particularly work then it develops another mutation like I mean well, it's, does that mean that it's been prevalent there for a very long time in terms of so uh, I mean your mutation rate I mean so viruses would mutate all the time but most yeah. mutations would do nothing or would actually be damaging yeah. so the, va the vast majority of mutations probably just means it doesn't replicate right. you know and, and that that goes uh, and or, or a neutral um, and then Probably with each, yeah, if it's got 30, probably each of them is giving some form of advantage, but may not be very big. So it's the kind of the combination of all those emerging. Yeah, they, they probably wouldn't have all taken place at once. I mean, you can get an event called recombination, which is where, you know, one virus that's got a load of mutations. Uh, so so you get, basically somebody gets infected by two versions of COVID simultaneously, which is not as unlikely wow. as you might think. Yeah, that's uh, a very fortunate Each of those versions yeah. carries a number of mutations and then they recombine in the person right. into something that's got more. So that's also possible. Um, Jesus. Uh, but, uh, what an unholy mess. Yes. And it, because also I was reading this in the Financial Times, I didn't realise this, but they say that there's already 1,500 variations from the original SARS. Yeah, yeah. Th there's a very good uh, open source, in fact, genomic, right. genomic tracking project that uh, you can go and look at. Uh, GISAID, I think it's called, um, uh, that maps all of these out. And then there's kind of people who actually know what they're talking about who report on it regularly on Twitter that I follow. Okay. Uh, like, they're mostly people who, who are making the contributions. So a lot of yeah, a lot of what I'm picking up in terms of knowledge is either following that or you know, following those people or, or uh, This Week in Virology or whatever else, and then badly summarising it for the rest of you. That's good. That's good, <laughs> enough. good enough for us. We're not going to do the work. We're glad you're doing it. Um, Okay, so the other thing I was going to ask then in terms of this, like this surely points to, um, before we go into the specifics of what's happening here at the moment, but from a global perspective, surely this indicates that there needs to be the whole IP around, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, that, yeah, that yeah. debate starts to rear its head again in terms of Pfizer and, and all the other ones, Moderna and all the other ones now releasing the formula for whatever they're whatever yeah they're and interesting the, so. the south africans are now trying to do a knockoff version of the moderna one by right. through reverse engineering it yeah um which is yeah because i mean the i mean both pfizer and moderna kind of tried to head off the idea of patent waiver by saying look we'll do deals with uh, other companies around the world other pharmaceutical companies that are capable of making uh, vaccines and then they'll manufacture it on the license from us domestically so you don't need to worry about this because the market will sort it out but comparatively few deals like that have actually been done right. um, and I mean, again there's also the thing that because all of this is patented and therefore kind of secretive or whatever yeah. uh, you're losing the ability for some for people to easily sit down and look at all the different stuff and go oh well, that worked quite well that sort of worked over there and that wasn't bad yeah. and, and coming up with fresh ideas which is that. kind of the way science was supposed yeah, to yeah, work yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. peer-led research and yeah. then papers and people checking out what works and what doesn't yeah. work and everything being open so but the markets have totally 
fuck this up and now this is going to continue to happen because the first thing that happened when the new mutation what's it called again the over obertron or whatever he's called the the new overlord whatever it's called when that appeared right so the front page of the that that was friday so on friday the markets all went crazy yeah and then people started investing again back into you know stocks pharmaceutical stocks doing really well companies that um provide food at home you know they all start going up and so everybody's making a book out of it but but the longer term thing is we don't want to have speculation on stocks with big pharma we want to actually have an open source of whatever problem to this or an yeah. open source fix to it so somebody needs to step in because we're just going to have continuing processes where iterations of this where people make short term money but everybody suffers I mean what kind of world are you going to inherit when you make a lot of money on big pharma but you know you wipe out large sections of the population it's just ludicrous Okay. I mean, the good news from that is that, and this brings us back to that thing about India. So, yeah. uh, India is actually one of the world's largest manufacturers of vaccines. It's also one of the largest populations, so that kind of makes sense. And the, and the main manufacturer there is the Serum Institute, uh, and I think they're intending to produce two billion doses by the end of the year of the AstraZeneca one, um, which is called something else now, Covax. Or, they changed. They gave them all specific names, and I can't keep track of them all. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, fair enough. There's variants. Uh, so, like and uh, when the Delta wave hit India, they stopped exports. Yeah. So an awful lot of the WHO vaccine deliveries that they thought they'd have as part of the Covax program that didn't happen actually were because it, India was meant to be or the Serum Institute was meant to be supplying a lot of those. But because of Delta, India used those for domestically sounds, instead. Yeah, okay, right. uh, yeah. So, so um, that is that's what's happening with that. I mean, the other, the other. So does that mean that that two billion is now going to go to Africa? Is that the plan? I, to I, I, Africa? It's it it it'll be going to Covax, I think, which is the WHO program. So they'll presumably be allocating it to places where. Hardest hit. Yeah, 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 and which, okay. which haven't got supplies. I, I'm also not sure what's happening with the Chinese vaccine. Uh, I mean, they were obviously initially vaccinating their own population, and I think favoured nations like we know people in Zimbabwe, for instance, that got it right. Sinovac, I think it was. Yeah, called, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I, I would presume likewise that they must have got most of the population of China vaccinated now, and you'd have quite a big production capacity built up in order to do that. So, you know, 2022, I think, is liable to be when there is more vaccines for more places on the planet because yeah. those two countries in particular uh, have now probably maxed out in terms of their domestic population. That's obviously confused by if, if we need a booster every six months or whatever it's going to be, uh, then it's going to take a while. But, I mean, the other problem is going to be distribution infrastructure right. uh, in that, that that's going to cost money and, and who's going to be willing to pay for it. Um, so yeah and there's also at least in South Africa uh, where South Africa itself didn't necessarily have a vaccine shortage because uh, right. uh, it's obviously also fairly wealthy but there's an awful lot of vaccine hesitancy yeah. uh, because of the you know usual influences of crazy US evangelical groups and all, all that sort of stuff going oh, on yeah. so th there's also you know that's that. happening it's yeah. also like it's also got a very young population so part of its vaccine hesitancy relatively high percentage of vaccine hesitancy is is because that's higher in the younger populations everywhere 
So yeah. if your population is largely younger, then you're going to have higher higher levels of that. But there's a whole load of whole mix of things going on at the moment. There is, but like I mean, it doesn't reassure me greatly to know that like the big Western manufacturers are kind of stepping out of this and just saying, yeah. Uh, yeah, let the Indians and the Chinese deal with it." You yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very reprehensible. It's like dope sick. But that's another thing. People will know what that's about if they're watching the latest series. So, okay, let's let's focus our attention to home and great. Uh, I keep seeing pictures, unflattering pictures of Simon Donnelly with looking anxious and worried and telling us that we can't bring our kids to play dates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's the what's the news from Tony and the Nefford crew what are they talking about these days well all the communication we're getting at the moment is really coming through government leak and stuff or making up words you're going to love this actually uh, there was, oh, I'm uh, sure I won't <laughs> so this, this is a really good one they're, they're requiring a um, a negative test to come into Ireland right uh, including from from Britain actually right so despite the common travel area thing uh, and uh, that Dobshite housing minister Darrow O'Brien is it? Don't know. I think yeah. he was the only he was the only minister the media could get to talk to today, and so they asked, so they asked him. Well, what happens if it's a long weekend? You know, if you're going over for a couple of days, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, will you have to have a negative test? And he said <laughs> yes, but you can get tested before you leave, and use that coming back in. Really? Yes. That's brilliant. So, so why why on earth would you bother <laughs> at all? It's like. So you're negative going out, but like, and you yeah. can, and we don't know what you're like coming back in, but yeah. you can use. Well, it is. I mean, it's a general problem with these this testing thing they have is that you can have, a PCR te- negative test can be from seventy two hours, so from three days before right. you actually get the flight. Obviously, not, a lot can happen in three days. Yes. Uh, you know, so I mean, generally with PCR, you, you're probably not going to test positive until at least three days after you've been infected. So really. Do you remember that you told me that story about the plane that landed in Heathrow just after the mm. story broke about uh, the South African, whatever it's called, Omnivore, whatever it is, right? The plane landed. The, all of those people had had negative PCR tests before they got on the plane, and there was what eighty people infected. That's the Dutch I'm actually not sure they did need. There's some confusion over that. Right. Um, it was initially reported that it was a requirement to get on the flight you had to have a negative PCR, and then other people right. were saying no. You, wasn't and it was actually hard to check up on because everybody had changed their regulations in between. Oh, so there were lots yeah, of websites so lots that of were, people. yeah. So I'm not, I'm lots not of sure. Ministers but, all over the country. Well, yeah, just just to sketch out that problem. The problem basically is like it's extremely unlikely you'll test positive on PCR until at least three days after you've been infected. Right. Maybe four days. So if you're on a long weekend, anyway, it would come so back. So it's all a bit meaningless, anyway. Yeah, it's so, all meaningless. So if if your test can be three days before the flight, and you could. That basically means there's a six-day window minimum in which you could have been infected yeah. before you get on that flight. Could be seven or eight days in reality, uh, and and you know I like I think if you think about it, the, probably the biggest risk while traveling is the bit where you're in the airport. Yeah, you know, uh, I would like so. I'd, I I had a friend who flew with Ryanair to a European city recently, and uh, was saying apart from anything else. Ryanair did its thing it often does when you depart in some way, which is it sticks everybody in a tiny room that's right by the gate. Yeah. I presume they do so they can get you on board faster or whatever. Yeah, People have, have had that experience. Have fast turnaround. And they're still doing that. Yeah. So apart from everything else, you're kinda you're stuck you're in that room. with everybody else in that the isolation room. room. The yeah. super infection room. That's what it's yeah. And they called. also, you know, are 
I was going to say I'm not picking on them in particular, but actually I don't like them. So, <laughs> but you know, another know know common experience is, is so that they get the, you know, the the percentage of flights arriving late is very low. Yeah. They stick everybody on the plane early and leave you sitting there for quite a while. It's, yeah. You know, people yeah. will be used to that sort of thing as well, and that also is obviously. And not often, so what good. they do is they switch off. If you've been on those planes, they switch off the air conditioning yeah. units as well. So you start getting really hot. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. know like what they're doing, but that would be horrendous in present. Yeah. Conditions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not getting on a plane anytime soon. Basically. Uh, I know, but it's at the same time it's really frustrating. Like yeah. we've had so few of us have been off the island. It's a bit crazy at the moment. Hmm. Um, it's like the eighties. Yeah, and we're we're <laughs> right back in time, and we're so. So anyway, everything's leaks. Why is there no? Does there, is there like we're still running at what over four thousand cases a day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you not think that it would be important to have kind of press conferences and tell us what the fuck is going on? I, t- I, mean, I mean, it's kind of hard to know exactly why that's happening. I mean, things um, are still at pretty much capacity or yeah, just below capacity. My, I mean, my guess would be that the government kind of don't want Neffet taking the limelight unless they've got bad news. So. <laughs> They'll push them back out if we're if we're going to have another lockdown or something. We'll then get a an effort press conference beforehand to explain to us all why that's necessary. But otherwise, it, this is all about the politicians wanting to seem to be in charge, so that stuff is coming via them. And of course, any good news always comes via them. You know. Oh, uh, I'm sure Donnelly can't resist yeah, yeah, getting they're, on they're, Twitter they're, or they're whatever. They're tweeting out yeah. very early, so that that might be it. I mean, I think Neffet also wanted to move away from doing the constant press conferences. So, you know, but, uh, um, but I can understand it in one way, but at the same time, I would think that they're kind of necessary if we're running at such a high level yeah. in terms of. I mean, the, the, I mean, the the perhaps not in that like a lot of the basics has been explained, and although we are running at a high level of cases, that's been the case for quite a while. Uh, so you would be. kind of be saying the same thing every week. You know, there wouldn't be that much to actually say. And the HSE are doing their press conferences again, and in a way, they're more they're more important in the phase of the pandemic we're in because the the phase the pandemic we're in has become less about cases and more about hospitalizations and whether or not the hospital system can deal with stuff. Yes, uh, and that's really what the HSE press conferences on Thursdays are reporting on. Uh, you know, g- given the sense of that. So okay, you know. so what was last Thursday like when they were talking about this? Where are we at in terms of our ICU capacity? It's this it's a, just the day before the super the new the new variant was announced. Yeah, so. it's 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 not good in that they're having to you know the cancelling a lot of elective surgery. Uh, as they're saying, the thing is, if you look at the stats and it reports so much cancels each week, and they said that in itself isn't that accurate a stat because actually. What also happens is hospitals simply stop making appointments. Like, there's no point. You know, you're not going to make an appointment for something if you think it's going to be cancelled. Obviously, so it's not a real reflection of the of the of the reduction in care that's happened, but that's very sizable. Um, and ICU numbers have kind of very slightly gone down over the week, bit of a plateau. But basically, I mean, if you took the number of probable deaths in ICU, which I think is 23 over the last seven days, uh, that's bigger than the actual drop. Uh, over the last week um, so there was up, up till today the hospital situation had actually was improving relatively quickly and now it's kind of actually plateaued and got, went up a little bit again so it, it's very fragile basically is, is, is how I put it okay and when you say plateaued like last time we were talking it was like 
around 120 is it so yeah icu today's 122 i think yeah okay so which is, got yeah. below that now it's starting to creep back up again yeah yeah it had right. gone above that then it went down and now it's, now it's back up again um and hospitals down about 100 from what the peak was okay and are we so we're at 120 icu we're at cases of probably around 4,000. is it yeah it's uh i would say it, it, the swabs are more consistent actually uh, like it's funny if you look at a graph do i have a graph handy I'm not sure I have one handy that shows both. Um, yeah, uh, so if you're looking at if you're looking at the 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 graph that combines both swabs and cases, uh, this the case one is going up and down and up and down. So it's gone from about three thousand to almost six thousand. Hasn't actually hit six thousand. It's doing that, but actually the yeah. number the number of swabs every day is fairly consistently between about four thousand and. 4,700 so it's moving over a much narrower range so actually I think at the moment it's kind of given a more reliable indicator of what's happening it goes up and down according to the number of lab tests processed each oh, day okay, and right. slight so changes well we're talking about like a steady kind of 4,300 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, swabs yeah. it's what and, and maybe last week that was 4,500 to 4,600 so in other words it's come down very very slightly um, and we're still running a positivity of around 14%, is it? Yeah, that's... And that was down from... It, it's 14.1% today. Uh, it, it, the average has come down from, I think, 15.6% to 14.1%. So that's kind of like a little encouraging, but that's still like at least three times higher than it should be. <laughs> um you know so that all that does that creates uncertainty around where are we missing loads of cases are we missing a few cases but then that's why that hospital figure is important so it's it's encouraging that the proportion of cases being hospitalized has been continuing to fall because that would suggest that we're not missing cases in in comparison with say a month ago right um i mean we are missing cases but it the, the, the amount of, of cases being missed that proportion hasn't doubled or something because if it had we'd then see more people going to hospital and the proportion of cases going to hospital yeah well, I that, remember that's that kind fear of like was that teaching. we were missing a huge proportion of cases but yeah. we aren't but but, it's yeah we're definitely missing like, some yeah. and and probably I and mean, we could be missing a reasonable number because it probably is the case that if you have what appears to be COVID it's hard to get a test and you're not particularly safe with it you're probably more likely not to get tested and just go, oh, fuck it, I'll just stay at home or whatever. Yeah, especially if blood. tests so, are... Yeah, yeah like if it's because... Like, yeah, I know a couple of people who are trying to get tested and they don't have cars. And, yeah. you know, so there's no point to them getting a test appointment in Port Leash or something, you know, if they're living in Dublin. Yeah. Okay. Um, where are we going with this, though? Like, I mean, we're... <laughs> like, this is... Now we're at a stage where, like... Because the like say if the measures that were announced last week it was last week wasn't yeah. it where we started working from home again right so we should be seeing cases drop off but then again you know at the weekend we had thirty seven thousand people in in Lansdowne Road for a match yeah uh, I didn't go but I could have gone if I wanted yeah. if I bought a ticket and there's lot, there's so like there's like the, all that like life there's also continues. loads of huge gigs like in the three arena and the Olympia right. yeah. you know all of those I and mean, like some of them are. Uh, you know they're, they're bedlam they're proper old style gigs everybody yeah, roll their heads really off sort of right. thing now you you need a, a vaccine surf or whatever to get entry to those yeah but we kind of know that, that you can still 
be infectious and you can still infect other people. So while that helps and it reduces and the, the risk. the incidence rate is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, like it's still, what's the incidence rate? Is it still over a thousand? It's about 1400. Um, so you have an old style proper gig. Actually, I think it's 1293 or something. Like that. I was watching it to see. But so yeah, like, yeah, 8,000 people at the, like say somebody, it's usually like something like below 8,000, yeah. maybe 10,000, 9,000, whatever in the, in the point, let's call it the point, yeah. and let's call it Lansdowne Road. So you can say at this fourteen hundred of that, like I mean, but you've got like two hundred, three hundred, no, nearly two thousand or thousand, fifteen hundred people infectious. You could have, yeah. Well, particularly if you consider that the the for most of the time it's kind of like the it, it's the age of group people who come yes, to concerts. That's the, like the biggest. Yeah, the ones biggest, who, yeah, yeah so have the most. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about potentially quite big numbers. Yeah. I mean, like if anything, I think that probably they, we're getting a really good demonstration that the vaccines are actually really effective even against infection from this. Yeah. Uh, because when you know we're seeing rising cases, but I mean the fact that we're kind of seem to be flatlining cases when all this stuff is going on in the background. That's true. Like I mean is, that's. Yeah. yeah, it's fairly remarkable. I know. I think like per, like there is a certain level where there's personal people are are going out a lot less, right? Yeah. And there's people complaining about the publicans are complaining like they always complain about the bars not being full, um, and like my mates who were we were going to go to the match and we didn't go to the yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so people are. Yeah, I was meant to be going yeah. to the Olympia last Sunday and I, I yeah. didn't. So, so know, like, friends no, cancelling going to gigs all over the yeah, place. So people yeah. are like, there's tickets becoming yeah. available. I'm going, yeah, thanks, no yeah. thanks. Um, so that's all happening, but at the same time, there's a proportion where people's life just goes on for, for as normal. But, um, and at the same time, there isn't really a significant reduction. And now we have a variant, yeah. and we know inevitably because of the way this world works is that it's only a matter of time. If it's in Scotland, it's probably more than likely here already. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's out there. So that's got to be something that could just totally tip the balance. And and it, it, I tell you what the really interesting thing is, right? Because every every Monday they release the latest vaccination stats by age group, right? Yeah. And I made a spreadsheet back in June or July where I, I took the CSO population estimates and I took the number of people they said were vaccinated by each age group. And then I took the percentage of people from autumn 2020 who were getting hospitalised per case in each age group or being sent to ICU per case in each age group. And so I did this thing that basically just calculated from the number remaining unvaccinated in each age group what number of them would need ICU and what number of them would need hospital right, right. and uh, it's kind of interesting because I update it every week and it doesn't make much difference every week like every every week maybe does it, the ICU number will drop from it's, it was 11,060 and I think it's now 980 but typically it would drop 10 or 15 or something every week right, right. one or two out of each age group not, not a big big change because most of the time I've been doing it the vaccination rate has slowed down but actually because I've also been tracking ICU breakthrough cases uh, which is they do a weekly report if people get vaccinated sorry how many people in ICU are vaccinated how many are unvaccinated how many yeah. are partially vaccinated right and uh, I was doing the um, I was doing the other one and then I went oh wait a second there's something interesting because that with that vaccination report uh, ICU report has a figure for how many people in ICU since April have been unvaccinated right? right 
So I went, well, okay, so if I calculated that back in June, there could be 1,100 unvaccinated people with ICU who yeah. need to go to ICU. And then this report says 380 people who are unvaccinated since then have gone to ICU. Yeah. Well, that means you could probably take that 380 from that 1,100 figure uh, and give you a remaining figure. It actually comes out as being, I think it's probably around, I mean, these are ballpark yeah, numbers. Yeah, of course, they're rough. I mean, like, like, one of the things I used to demonstrate, the fact that ballpark numbers is that when you work this out, we've actually vaccinated 104% of over 75s and 106% of over yeah. 85s because the, C a few yeah, the CSO yeah. population estimate isn't right. So yeah. you're basically, there's lots of numbers in here that are ballpark numbers. Yeah. You mix them all together and taking a, a ballpark number out there is a danger that the number that comes out the other end is just complete junk because the number's gone in a junk. But anyway, sticking with it, it is kind of interesting in that, yeah, it's about 600, uh, which suggests that maybe 40% of unvaccinated over 12-year-olds, so that's 12 to 100, not, yeah. just, not just young people, uh, about 40% have probably been infected at this stage. Um, 40%. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Which which would kind of tie in with, with other data, you know. Now, mostly, by nearly all of them in the last four or five months. Yeah. You know, like probably... Maybe all of them in the last month. Probably at least like three quarters months. of them, if not four-fifths yeah. in that period. And actually, yes, probably half of that figure in the last the last month or six yeah. weeks. So it's all happened. It, it's quite recent. But the... The interesting thing about that is that actually means that the number of unvaccinated people who are liable to need ICU, and I'm assuming that if you survive infection you've the first time around, you've got yeah. some immunity that probably protects you against going into ICU, right? Well, it's probably not complete, but, but it's probably close enough. Plus, it, the people who did need to go into ICU, a third of them have died. So they're not going to be going around a second time. So kind of grim match from that point of view but anyway yeah. it comes out that you know ballpark figure 600 people left out of that uh, cohort so that's actually not very many you know um, if you could spread that thinly over the remaining year or whatever it would actually be a very manageable number right. um, but then we've got also vaccine breakthrough cases that's the fully vaccinated people who need ICU often because they're immunocompromised or uh, something like that and that seems to be running at a rate of about one in a thousand. So that actually is quite a big pressure. It doesn't sound like much, but if you get two million people infected, that's two thousand yeah. cases. So that that's the thing as well. But there is it's a, basically what I'm driving at though is that the proportion of the population that have no immunity to the virus has shrunk radically. Yeah, that's why um, Omicron was able to take off in South Africa. Very completely different mix between survival immunity and vaccination immunity. We are thankfully vaccination yeah. immunity heavy. That yes. We've got a lot of that, so we haven't had so many deaths in order to earn that or whatever. Yes. Earn is the right word. Um, so this is why this question of well, how severe is it going to be? If it's if it's no more severe than Delta, it would still be really hard to manage because of that one in a thousand breakthrough cases. But it's far easier to manage now. This is why, like, I think some people are kind of like, they're in despair. They think we're going back to March 2020. We're going to have to do the whole thing again. Not necessarily. Uh, you know, it might be the case that, yes, you're going to get infected with Omicron. But then we kind of understood this was probably going to be the way things were going anyway. It's fundamental to the whole living with COVID strategy, you know, that people will get infected and 
the last few shows we've had discussions about why that's a problem because of too much demand on ICU etc etc those rules probably don't change though. that's no, the thing they don't so uh, all that might happen is that happens faster now that's not good because that puts pressure on the health system and might be able to cope with it etc etc yeah. but there is there is an element that at least we have the advantage now that we have 93% of adults vaccinated probably of the remaining 7% two to three percent of them have survived infection at this stage so you're 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 completely vulnerable immune naive and immunologically naive section of the population is now probably like four percent of adults or something or five percent i'm using adults because they're the ones who get sent to icu does happen with kids but it's very rare um, you know, so yeah. that, that's not really where the pressure is. But uh, but the the, the yeah. big factor in all that is this the omni whatever it's called <laughs> is um, is not more infectious, and that doesn't like I mean we're we're data is kind of not no. really it, it, is data in on that or no, but on that? like so. But basically, people who know what they're talking about. Mm, yeah. <laughs> looking at this and looking at the type, type of mutations it has and where it comes from the lineage, which is much closer actually to the original form, but with all the mutations. Uh, they're inclined to think that actually it's probably, if, if you had a, a, a popula- population that had not been exposed to COVID at all and that had not been vaccinated at all. So if you found some island somewhere that nobody had been exposed and you 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 got you found two of these islands and you dropped Delta on one and Imicon, Imicon, every time I've Omnicore, whatever. <laughs> we'll have it. Whatever. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll hear the word so many times. Omnicenter. We'll Omnicenter, yeah. That on the other one, then probably it would be much slower infecting people. Right. Right. So it's, pr- it's probable that in an immunologically naive population, Delta is a much bigger threat because it can transmit much, much faster. But... Um, in a population with very high levels of immunity or partial immunity then Omicron is the biggest threat because it, it's much more capable of overcoming that immunity. Delta was doing that a bit as well but uh, so that, that's where the difference basically is between the two um, and yeah so it, it may it may not be any more cyber no. severe Omicron C-R-O-N <laughs> Just think of Kron at the Somebody end. should do so an edit Omnitron. of this where they take every pronunciation we've done and just put them together. Yeah, like how many times? I think they'll use the Omnicenter. Okay, so Omnicron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, so... But... That's okay. what... So anyway, so that... So where I'm, there's a really long, long circling around of, of how will this kinda... end and, and, and getting into what will happen next, right? I hope so. so. If, yeah. I was in, if I was in the US, I'd be a lot more despondent because you still have a very large section of the population who haven't been vaccinated and you've a large enough section of the population who haven't been infected. So there's a lot of potential for it to run through that population and to generate a huge amount of pressure from it. For us, I think it, it could uh, it could create a really big problem purely because of that one per thousand people needing ICU, even if they've been vaccinated. Roughly, I think that's going to be great. That's where our problem would be. But our problem in terms of the unvaccinated, immunologically naive adult population is actually not that big now. I think yeah. It's big enough to have to cause a lockdown, um, you know. But that's about it. Like, if... If it's the case that protection against severe disease holds up, and a lot of people feel that's likely, uh, then 
you know, that maybe maybe this either way. Like either way, I think maybe this was coming to an end. And that is the case. Now I said that last show or two shows ago and I did then add the disclaimer. Although if there's a variant. <laughs> but I don't think this variant looks like it's going to be the variant we'd be worried about that case, which is more to do with severe outcome of disease. Like we may never see that variant may never come into existence. You know, it, it's not necessarily the case that it will. The, the, the increased severity of Delta, for instance, seems to have been just because it infected people faster. And therefore, it was before your body could mount a fight back, it yeah. was already plowing through it. Doesn't look like um, Omnicron. Omnicron. Omnicron is yeah. any faster. It might, it might be slower. It's not more powerful in that way. Uh, so it it is it is it, uh, it could be that yeah protection against because this this is generally true in in, in the, uh, the immune system the protection against disease holds up and lasts much much longer for most things not for everything uh, than protection against infection that always tends to be a relatively short range right okay uh, thing yeah. so that's kind of what we're hoping for you know so you it's not yeah. you mentioned hold on the two things you mentioned there one is okay so severe outcomes that's fine. Mm. Uh, you mentioned lockdown yeah so that's obviously being talked about yeah. immensely and it's hard to know where it's coming from a lot of it might be a lot from the anti-vaxxers or whatever the people who who want to keep the pubs open yet nobody's going into the pubs whatever yeah, wherever yeah, that's yeah. coming from so let's talk about that for a second but also the the whole issue about whether it's going to be bigger for other other countries or more difficult mm. for instance if it's going to be hugely uh difficult in the states or whatever the the way i feel like that that's not really it becomes all of our problem in terms of like so that we might get through this mm-hmm. but uh once we've accepted that the that it's endemic and it's in the population we're going to be going through a series of like because our country is totally open and totally has this relationship with the states so we're going to have people we're going to have continuously have new variants entering the country yeah, 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 new yeah, people yeah, yeah. so it's still going to be an issue in so, terms of yeah so this this is I mean and, and I've, we've been talking about this for, for lots of shows in different forever. ways and I I, I I move between being more optimistic rather than being more pessimistic but this is this key question of how good will protection against disease be yeah you know uh, if you know if it's the case that you get it a couple of times and that's where the high risk of, of hospitalization or ICU is. But after that, your immune because each time you, you get infected with things normally, your immune system broadens its response. It kind of gets smarter essentially with each Ooh, time. I so going to sneeze on cue. Go on. Uh, yeah. You know, and and so if if that's the case, particularly in a vaccinated population, I'll get into why that's important in a moment then yeah you're right we will like there's no way we are not going to see future waves of it that's obviously going to happen and that those waves will include future variants because it will probably find more tricks it can do Um, however if it's the case that that protection against disease remains very high then that's kind of like that is like flu or whatever else the things that we used to have now I think it's going to be like a permanently bad flu year it's not going to be like most years where the flu didn't matter. It's going to be the years where it mattered more. Um, then th- that that could be okay. Now th- the reason I'm saying vaccinated there is that there is there's a there, there's a bit of an issue in that uh, some people who have been infected and survived 
don't mount much of an immune response. The immune response from from people who survived infection is actually quite interesting. It's it, it it's very varied. Some people it's quite strong, and other people it's very weak. But vaccines tend to be more consistent. Uh, it's uh, it, it, it's initially shorter lived, but it's also broader, right? Okay. Um, so it's part, you know, it probably it probably deals with future variants a bit better from that point of view, right? That's yeah. not that surprising because it's dealing with all the virus. Uh, it's not just dealing with the, um, the spike, which is right. what the vaccines are working off, right? However, the problem is not only do some people have uh, like there's about twenty percent of people just don't have antibodies afterwards. They don't they don't mount an apparent immune response, which is quite big. And then there's another portion of people where the virus and the response to it does a lot of damage, and that means they're actually more vulnerable the second time around, not less vulnerable, right? right. Um, so how big is that second cohort becomes quite important because they might be more likely to need to go to ICU if they're subsequently infected. Uh, right. And then yeah. there, there is some evidence like the, the, the COVID itself messes a bit with the immune system and with immune responses. That's not that level for, not that unusual, sorry, for viruses. Uh, you know, like they, they target interferon production and stuff like that. that. That's just a thing that happens. But we don't, so that's a little bit unknown. We could There could be a surprise in that we we discover that actually a lot of people have it damages their immune system enough that they don't effectiveness in mounting future responses are not great i don't think it's going to go that way because i think we'd, we'd have started to see that in a strong sense by now but you skip all of that by getting vaccinated that, that's the point i'm kind of driving at that you know that all, all the varied the risks of dying <laughs> the risks of getting really badly messed up uh, you know all the risks of the virus itself targeting your immune system all of those get skipped by being vaccinated. So because we've got an incredibly high percentage of the population vaccinated rather than a very high percentage that have got immunity the hard way, yeah. that kind of probably bodes well for the long term as well. Because it should mean for most of us, our first actual infection is far easier for our immune system to deal with than it would have been otherwise. And a, a second one and a third one or whatever, you know, you're, you're building from a completely building for a better base because you haven't got completely messed up by the first round so yeah that's kind of okay so let's that's, talk that's about this building from a better base because i don't think four thousand cases a day is a solid base even though there's high levels i know the vaccine is yeah, doing yeah, amazing yeah. jobs but also we just seem to be careening into next Tomorrow is the first day of December, so we're just straight into Christmas. Yeah, yeah. No holds barred. Well, this is why people you... are going to be like yeah. allowed to do what they want, yeah, and yeah. then, and then this is why people start screaming and saying like, surely there should be some direction here because mm. young people will pack out the point depot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or we'll all go to football matches, and then suddenly it'll be like, oh well, you all went to the football match, and you were all yeah, responsible yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. It's like so. So what is there a plan? Because again, like it seems to be every week I'm asking, is there a plan? Because and I'll also every time according to the WHO and the advice was always you remember that Mike Ryan thing? Mm. Act. Even if it's wrong, act. Mm, mm, Don't just wait. Our entire policy seems to be based on let's just wait and see or you know, don't bring children to the panto. Should, I mean, should there be a plan? So let's break this into yeah. should, should there be a plan? Yes, there should have been a plan at the start of the autumn that was much better than the plan we had. They should have put HEPA filters in schools. There should have been a planned introduction of antigen testing so people could test themselves afterwards. Yeah. That should have, there should have been education campaigns around that. There's like, uh, you know, there's loads of, of things you could point to and said, 
we there should have been <laughs> you know a, a plan there would have really helped lads yeah. you know and there was too much confidence um around just kind of plowing through us basically and accepting uh large-scale infections particularly primary school kids uh, as as the you know the cost of sort of coming out the other end um i mean could there, there be there's a- an argument to say that that is basically why we have four thousand, regardless of all. Yeah, the it's a lot of the cases. It's not. It's yeah. I mean, that that's definitely, the, and you know, that's not a surprise. Uh, at the point we are now, is there a plan that doesn't simply involve starting to do that stuff that they should have done months ago? Uh, I'm not sure there is. I mean, like, I'm not sure a lockdown, for instance, actually makes sense uh, yet, uh, unless the pressure on ICU increases substantially you know and it, it's plateaued right um it's plateaued but we've just discovered yeah. a variant yeah yeah so, so it could so, like, that, you know, so yes. it's very hard to but that's say. why that, that yeah. that's the yet right and i think that's why when people talk about you know you get the conspiracy theories that they're planning there's a lockdown plans on a particular date or whatever else it's going to be uh, yeah yeah, yeah. They're, no they're, they're cancelling christmas yeah, yeah yeah that that's not the case at this stage because none of that would make sense because we don't know we won't know until we're closer to any of those dates you hear as to what's actually happening and what would actually be needed. And that's what's widely understood. And I actually think, I think I said this in the last show, there's probably a body of thought that is precisely, you know, the advantage of this really high level of risk at the moment of the really high level of cases is that people are much more aware at the moment of risk. So they are cancelling going to stuff. They are being careful about visiting relatives or whatever else. Uh, And at the same time, like I, I basically think what we now have is a herd immunity through infection strategy, but it's not on the basis that they think that herd immunity will stop the virus itself transmitting. It's that they think that what we're doing is we're taking that last 600 people I talked about who might need ICU, yeah. and every week 20 of them are going to ICU, or 25, is it? Right. It's actually, no, so it's about 30, 30 to 40 every week. So. Right. You know that six hundred was the figure for last week. It's probably already five hundred and you know fifty or five hundred and sixty, and then next week it will be a smaller number again. Now, I think that's probably what's happened. Basically, is they're going okay. Well, this is this is what the end point looks like, um, and also actually the the number of people vaccinated has increased as well. So that's okay. probably also because people are going. Ooh, this is <laughs> feels a bit dodgy. I don't feel I can dodge this after all. And you know it's not, and that that's what, what took you so for. long. Jeez. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Second best time is always now. Uh, um, okay. So I think that's what they're doing. Like I, I think that's what they're doing. It's not, it's not a deliberate policy of getting people infected or anything, but it's an acceptance that that's going to happen, and that providing you avoid a massive surge into healthcare, which is the key thing, um, then that that will just be allowed to happen until it. It feels it like they've been walking there. on this beam for a very long yeah, time yeah, now because yeah. it's like there's not a lot of capacity. We already no, know. that's the thing. It's like there's it's no so... capacity, and now we're just we just keep on doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, what's also very the opposite of reassuring, whatever that is. What's mm. very troubling is is that the like there isn't all the other things they could have done anyway. I mean, they could have really you know worked on air filtration yeah. they could have looked worked at monitoring that they could have worked and and the plan has been none of like no resor- it hasn't been resource heavy in terms of like investing in things no or, i mean essentially what they, it's just been 
let's yeah, just look yeah, at this yeah, thing yeah, and yeah. if it needs to be it's been very crude in terms yeah. of you know they only have so many options and so we're going to keep doing this until such time as we actually need a lockdown yeah but yeah i mean they could have re- another thing they could have done is required fpe2 masks which are the better quality ones on public transport yeah, germany i mean that was mentioned yeah you know like there, there, there's loads and like occasionally they just needed to listen to the show they got a lot of ideas yeah, for this yeah i mean you like, you do no. occasionally like, i get annoyed with the stuff that thinks antigen testing would be a magic bullet you know and if we just antigen tested that that would solve the problem you know or if we had better masks then that would solve you know none of these things are actually going to fix it but they would have they would slow things down a bit uh, and make it less likely that we're just going to overrun healthcare, which is still like even before Omicron arrived on the scene, was looking like a possibility. And now you're kind of going, oh, right, this could be, you know, this could be a very big problem indeed if if it turns out that it rapidly infects a million people or two million people or whatever. But uh, and what's the like? We'll when, see. But yeah, like, but when do we do we have a timeline as to when? they're actually going to talk to us about it or is it just going to be like like you've got to wait for your yeah. one weekly press conference from the HSE on tourism they're not really part of the problem is you don't hear from Netflix part of the problem is they're in no better a position than I am at the moment to answer those they questions need to do we, we don't have enough well. data like yeah. you know we, we won't know we won't know how bad it is in terms of hospitalizations um, until you know at least a month from now really you know, like they, because even like if, if the South African data on that even won't necessarily tell us that much about Ireland because it's in a population that's very much younger than Ireland. Uh, it's in a population where the immunity has come mostly through infection rather than vaccination. Uh, you know, it's in a population where there's a relatively high prevalence of HIV. Uh, you know, so there's, there's a whole load of things there. Yeah. Um, you, you know, there's also like I, I would imagine you have a very much larger proportion of the population living in. Uh, higher levels of deprivation than we would yeah. uh, you know so you, you've I think you've multiple factors that means we can't necessarily look at South Africa's hospitalization figure next week and say that's the figure we would have here yeah. uh, so and because there's relatively few fig- countries have quite high vaccination rates to a certain extent they're the only ones we're going to be able to get reliable information on on yeah. what this is going to look like uh, so it's yeah, we've spent we spent since the summer being kind of like the the pioneers on the uh, on the front line of testing out the vaccines. Um, With so we'll huge see high that. levels yeah. of yeah high levels. Of Israel will also be yeah yeah obviously because they're, they're well into their booster dose program, whereas we're well we're, we're kind of we're going fairly fast through it at this stage. But uh, who are they doing now? What age groups are they uh, working It's on? kind of everybody over 65, you know, like there's walk-ins right. available now, which are a bit chaotic because lots of people are obviously panicking and wanting to get vaccinated. So the, some of the centres have had five RQs, <laughs> right. which in November is no joke. Uh, they'll probably move on to uh, 50 to 60 year olds around the middle of December, that I was saying. Um, they'll probably get done by the end of January. And then after that, they'll probably go into 40 year olds. So... Right. For a lot of us now, we're in a kind of will will we get a booster first? And the booster, not I would I would guess we will find out that it has a short range, significant addition to not getting infected in the first place, even with Omicron, just because you'll have a lot of antibodies for a period. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a, yeah, but that will probably time. tail off against that variant a bit quicker. Contract, uh, but con- contract, <laughs> uh, but. There should be longer-lasting 
uh, so, sorry, not longer lasting, but the protection against hospitalization should be higher. Yeah, because uh, of the booster. Than, yeah. than it was in the previous ones. That's, that's sort of what the preliminary stuff is looking at. But that's what we're all... Right. Yeah, so... So, when you say a month from now, we we'll really know. We're just kind of... New Year's Eve, we'll have like a perfect... <laughs> that's that's what we'll be looking at. That is a month at. from now, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that great? We'll have, well, I mean, I'm, into I'm making assumptions about how fast it spreads here as well. But yeah, I mean, we'll have... I'd imagine in two to three weeks, we'll have an idea at least of the level of infection that's coming out. And we'll be able to guess at whether that's going to create a, a huge problem or not in healthcare. My betting would be it will, because like it does look like this will infect a lot of people relatively quickly yeah. uh, under current conditions. So that's the other reason we might end up with a lockdown, is that, okay, what we were doing was, I don't know what to call it, say it was working for Delta, but the, on a certain crude level, it was doing what they wanted it to. Right? I can see why they went to call the lockdown. Yeah. If Omicron changes the rules of the game radically by infecting those gigs at the Olympia, yeah. you're suddenly getting four or 500 people infected afterwards. Well, then, yes, that's all. That will change end. the name. That will uh, yeah. and, and that we'll find out relatively quickly. I suspect it may turn out that that is the case. So yeah, and if that happens, it's all locked down, and it'll be right back to where we started. Yeah, that's the, that's I, the crude way. We'll be we back work. to what used to be the level three, I suspect, or yeah. something. So I don't think we'll see a ban on intercounty travel or right. or stuff like that. But uh, yeah. if, if Omicron takes off the way it threatens to, then yes, we'll probably need a level four or a level five to stop it infecting five million people in the space of two months, which at any hospitalisation rate will be a disaster. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think everyone's up to date then, that's, and we just wait and that's see. The news. We kind of yeah. yeah. We wait to see what it's going to do to us. We can do a news flash if anything really alarming <laughs> springs out. Well, I got it. Like the, the thing is, there's not. There won't be a light bulb moment. No, it'll be it'll just. Be. This does. I tell you what, it reminds me of a bit. Is the very very start of the pandemic, when. Uh, we didn't really understand much about the virus at all. And yeah. people remember there was a cruise ship, one of the earliest yeah, things outside China, anywhere. the yeah, Diamond yeah, Princess yeah. that got infected, right? Yeah. And initially lots of- a tour of the world, didn't it? Because uh, they wouldn't <laughs> let them in, they wouldn't let them dock anywhere. I think it ended with Japan. But, yeah. but uh, initially people were going, oh, the virus isn't that dangerous at all because nobody's died, yeah. you know? I think maybe one or two people died early on. And so this kind of, partially got this thing going of this has been overblown blah 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 but the thing is I, I kept tracking the Diamond Princess yeah. you know and watching the death slowly go up and up and up and it ended up at about 1.7% of the people infected actually died which right. is not far off what you'd actually expect uh, so that's that's my one concern is I think we're already seeing a repeat of exactly the same thing but people keep forgetting about the lag you know that people don't get yeah, infected and drop lag. dead yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. it's not like some film or something you know where somebody touches you you get infected and drop dead instantly it's yeah. you know death is kind of three to four weeks after infection if it's initially spreading in a younger population doesn't reach an older population as well yeah, we don't we know what it's doing we, all, we've seen we this. learned all this because <laughs> yeah we learned it all in the in the run-up to last yeah. christmas i'm doing a lot of shouting at twitter infection. at the moment because of well, yeah. of course, nobody journalistic remembers. reporting that's just forgotten all this. Yeah, remembered. Nobody yeah, remembers yeah. how it went. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Andrew. All right.